Hi guys and welcome back to another ITH podcast where today we're going to be chatting all things car finance. Tim and I are joined by Mr. Darren Gibson. Now if you don't know Darren already via his Instagram fame, uh, he looks after most of the financing of a lot of the YouTubers cars. So the fact that we had TGE in the last podcast chatting quite openly about how he financed his cars, how much it was costing him per month, we thought we'd go to the man that sorts the deals, Darren Gibson. Darren, thank you for coming and chatting to us about all things we can't afford. Yeah, um, thanks so, for having me. So the, the first thing is, I suppose, car finance is a way of buying a car that you can't really afford, right? Technically, that's correct, yes. Okay. Um, clearly, the best way to buy a car is to buy it with cash, if you yeah. can afford to do that. But clearly, a lot of uh, my clients, whilst they can afford to buy the cars in cash, they choose not to, and they choose to use vehicle finance on the car. Okay, so Tim, with your cars that you've got, do you finance yeah. any of them? No. So I do. I do contract hire on my on my. Well, no, actually, no. A smart car we we bought because that was only a few grand. Okay. Uh, but yeah, a family car, the VRS. We just uh, it's a contract hire. So that's a contract hire, which is a kind of form of finance, which we can maybe come on to a little bit later. Yep. Okay. Which you've already spat on Tim's shiny forehead about yep. him hiring a car, which is obviously not the way that you want it to go. And, and um, I suppose in a way, not that I want it to go, mainly because I've already done a bit of a deal with you. I've got yeah. a Volkswagen Golf uh, GTE, which I absolutely love. I bought it through my own little business. Um, and I got what I thought was a great deal through Volkswagen Finance. So I went to Volkswagen and I said, this is the car that I'd like to buy. And they said, okay, great. Well, if you give us four grand, this is how much it's gonna cost you per month. And at the end of it, this is how much basically you owe or you can buy the car or a few options that I didn't really understand. And I came to you because we met on a Monaco trip. That's right. And um, we spoke a lot about car finance and a lot of people that we know have financed cars through you. Um, and I was a little bit intrigued as to maybe if I could get a bit of a saving, a bit of a deal. And we worked out the numbers and what Volkswagen were giving me was fine. What you gave me was basically a 2,000 pound saving over the, I think it was three years that I was gonna own the car. Yes. And a better residual value on the car. So basically the car would be worth more uh, at the end of my period of finance than it was going to be worth if I just gave it back to Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, what different options do people have when they come to buying a car that they might not want to buy, like Tim is very uh, well done with his, um, with his smart car in cash, what options mm -hmm. do you have? So effectively there are three main forms of finance that I introduce and broke for. Uh, so the classic being higher purchase that a lot of people have know of and have heard of. Um, higher purchase is where you simply uh, fund the balance of a vehicle over a period. It can be two to five years in length. Uh, and at the end of that uh, period, the individual owns the vehicle outright and requires no further payments. Okay, so we'll start on that one first in a second. What were the other two? So the other two then are effectively lease purchase with balloon or higher purchase with balloon as it's also known. And the third form then is personal contract purchase, which is known as PCP in the, in the trade. Right, okay. That means literally kind of nothing to you. Maybe you're <laughs> watching this going, I know all about it and I'm an expert. Um, but for me, I was still quite, I suppose, in the dark about financing. Tim, I don't know about you. Do you know a lot about financing? Um, I, I, I've done what most people do. You, you, you read what you read on what car and auto car and all those kind of things. And they give you a very hazy, brief little thing about what, what, what the various options are. Um, for me, I won't... Without, I'm not going with that. I went with the personal contract hire leasing side of things because it was very. There was there was nothing down at the beginning. 
the time we'd just bought a house and it was like we just needed nothing in and it was a dirt cheap stonking lease deal that popped up for like 160 quid a month for a Skoda. Okay, so if we, let's cover you your know. deal that you've got on your Skoda first. So that's a mm. leased deal. So it's basically ba- you're hiring the car. Uh, in fact, yeah, it's effectively a long-term hire is the way you could look yes. at it, I suppose. It's, right. I mean, I, just so you know, I mean, I got mine on a, a 1 plus 23. So that's, there's no there's no lump up front. Normally there's 3 plus 23 or 6 plus 23. Which means and you and get six that, payments Right, so the first number, the one plus 23 is basically over 23 months you have the agreement and the one is the how much you have to pay up front, which is just the first month. So that's normal, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know all about, I know about leasing because that's what I do. Financing, not a clue. Uh, But yeah, so I went, I got like a one plus 23, so two year deal. And and it was, it was ridiculous. On my my Octavia VRS, it was 185 quid a month. I mean, it was, it was peanuts. And so at the end so it was... At the end of that okay. finance, well, not finance, but at the end of that lease agreement, you just have to give the car, car back. Yep. Uh, well, actually, yeah, with, with VWFS, Volkswagen Financial Services, they did offer me the chance to buy the last car. They didn't, haven't offered done it with this current one. Okay. Uh, but it's, yeah. General consensus is you have to, if you're doing what you've done, which is a higher purchase agreement, you hire the car like you would a rental car, and then you give it back at the end of... Exactly, yeah. Lives. I mean, for, for me, I just worked out the numbers, and going off my knowledge of, of the car game... As a, that's going to cost me X, X amount over two years yeah. and in all three leases I've done it was a bit, quite a bit less than the depreciation on the car so, so with so that in mind that was, it, just being the, the devil's advocate um, the, your car let's just say it went up massively in value you can't gain out of that because you don't own the car no no I've got zero equity in the right. car at all for me it's it's just new car, off it goes, done. Yeah. So if you yeah. wanted to modify the car, change it, put different wheels on it, you couldn't because it's technically not your car. Um, you're still, you're not the registered owner. I think you're the registered keeper. Right. Um, okay. No, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't modify a no, leased just, car at you know, all. <laughs> people that are listening slash watching yeah. might want to buy a car that like, say, Archie or Tom or whatever, they might want to mm-hmm. modify it slightly in agreement with your lease hire you wouldn't be able to do that. It's basically, we're letting you borrow the car in a way to drive it, pay us a monthly yeah. fee and... and, and Exactly, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I even had to... At the end of the agreement, that's it. I, well, I didn't have to, but I, I even, I wrote to them and told them I was putting winter tires on. It's like, okay. it's one of those sort of things where, I mean, you have to just make sure everything's above board. Yeah, yeah. sure. It's ticked off and everything. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so with that in mind, if you then do want to technically own your car and be able to do what you like with it, et cetera, et cetera, we've got the three forms. Let's start with the first one that you mentioned. Yes, again, so higher purchase being uh, the more classic form of finance uh, that people would be used to, i.e. you uh, put a deposit in for the vehicle, normally 10% of the upfront value of the vehicle, uh, and then you ultimately fund the or pay for the balance of the capital outstanding in the car over a two to five year period. Uh, generally, the sweet spot is 36 to 48 months, depending on the, the client and the car. Okay. And at the end of that period, as I said, the... Um, the client doesn't know any more money on the vehicle and they're free to do what they wish with the vehicle. So let's, I, I love going with examples, which we've done obviously with my golf and stuff, but say you want to buy a hundred thousand pound Ferrari. Um, obviously it's not a new Ferrari, a no. uh, hundred grand Ferrari, <laughs> yes. second half Ferrari. You, yes. you found your dream car and you're like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to afford that. But you say what, 10%? Yes. So generally a lot of the, uh, 
finance deals that I broker and introduce for, for my clients uh, tend to generally be uh, lease purchase with balloon. So if the vehicle is £100,000 uh, purchase price, um, a lot of the time the client will say, okay, I'll put a minimum of 10% into the vehicle. They can put less at times, but it just depends. But 10% is usually the norm. Okay, so you put 10 so grand down. £10,000 down on the vehicle, and then they fund the balance of £90,000 over normally 36 to 48 months. Okay. We then apply what's called the balloon to the vehicles or the residual value. Now, depending on the specific uh, financial uh, uh, deal that they enter into and the legal agreement behind that, uh, they then uh, either have a um, guaranteed future uh, value on the vehicle uh, or they they have uh, non-guaranteed future value on the vehicle depending on the specific financial product they they sign up to. Um, Again, generally, if it is not... uh, a deal whereby they have a guaranteed future minimum value, um, they tend to get a better balloon on the car. Having a better balloon on the car allows them to effectively uh, leverage more of the equity value in the vehicle and then effectively have lower monthly payments to make the car that little bit more affordable. And that's because they haven't guaranteed the value of that vehicle over the two years. Correct, yes. So if you guarantee the value of the vehicle, say I buy my £100,000 Ferrari and the finance company... are the finance company the people that, that work out what that car should be worth in two years' time? Yes, so there's a system that the industry uses uh, called CAP, and effectively um, it shows the depreciation curve of a vehicle over uh, two, three, four Could it be period. an appreciation curve? On certain vehicles, it can be, yes. Um, generally, uh, on the, the vehicles that tend to appreciate in value, um, then effectively we can leverage more of the final balloon payment uh, to the to the extent where it could even be on an interest only basis. Right. Uh, so the client isn't paying down capital on the on the car over over the the term, but they they they're just covering the interest in that aspect. Okay. And the balloon payment then for anyone that doesn't really know what that is, that is basically a payment at the end of the financial agreement where you can pay and then you own the car. Yes, that's correct. So uh, if it's over a fortieth month deal let's say and the client holds the car to term uh, then effectively included in the final payment is the uh, upfront agreed residual amount uh, for the vehicle again if the if they've gone with the deal where it's not a guaranteed view, uh, value on the car at the end it's up to the client to sell the vehicle or part exchange the vehicle um, on their next purchase and ensure that they meet that minimum balloon payment. So I was, I was going to say, so when you, you've done your, your few years, you've you've paid your monthly payments and off the top of your head on, so let's say, a £100,000 Ferrari and you've given your £10,000 deposit, what kind of price would you look at per month? I know it varies massively on, on cars, as you say, you know, if, if you buy a car that is just going to plummet in value, then obviously your monthly payments are probably going to be a bit more. Yes, yes. Again, so if the client was potentially uh, borrowing, let's say, okay, I I did a deal this morning. The car was £91,000. Okay. Uh, The client's putting in £10,000, therefore borrowing £81,000 over the term. Uh, How long was the term? We looked at that for 48 months. And the the client's uh, monthly amount on that basis with a residual of, of £50,000 at the end of the term. And wh- when you say out, residual, what £50,000 at the end of the term? So that's what the car would be worth at the end? So the final balloon payment that the client would be required to make on the facility would be £50,000. Oh, I see. To, right, okay. to exit the deal or own the vehicle at that point. Right. Um, and the client's monthly on that was coming out just under £1,000 per month. Okay. okay. So that's not bad. So, I mean, so effectively, they're, they're leveraging thirty grand. You know, you know, over those four years, because they've already put the ten in, and so they're they're, they're borrowing, effectively borrowing, 
30 grand. Yes. For but the, over the, four years for less than a grand. I mean, it's, it's good. <laughs> yes. You do pay yeah. interest on the entire uh, upfront value of the vehicle. Mm. So the upfront purchase price of 91, even with the balloon included of 50, you are paying interest on the total amount. Okay. Um, but yeah, at the end of the period, you would owe 50 grand on the car. So then at the end of the deal, you at the end of the finance agreement, you basically say, right, I'm either going to part the car, I'm either going to sell it or I'm going to buy it. Yes. Those are the three options you have. Yes. And with that first one, which is a higher purchase we're talking about, you have all three options and you can do all three. Yes. Okay. So you want to sell the car. Let's go to, you know, Redline car specialist. Hi, Dean. Um, <laughs> and you sell the car to Dean for, well, say it's a hundred thousand pound car. You sell it to him for 80 grand. And what happens then? You basically, what, look at the finance agreement, see what is owed on that agreement and then that balance is taken off? Yes, so uh, when the client is looking to exit the facility, uh, they get in touch with myself or again direct with the the lender that they borrowed the money from. They request what's called the settlement letters for the the vehicle. And at that point, if the full term has not elapsed, uh, so they haven't held the car to say month 48, if it's a 48 month. So when you sign your agreement, let's just say it's for three years. If if you're a year in, you go, guys, I just want to sell this car, I don't like it. Yes. That's what you're saying, if you don't hold it for the whole time. Exactly that, yes. You can approach the the lender, uh, request a settlement uh, letter. They calculate it based on the uh, amount of capital you've repaid and and any other fees or charges which are associated to exit the facility at the time. And you receive a letter stating the exact amount of money owed on the vehicle so you can repay that and then be free to enter into your next next Sounds a little bit like scary saying, right, I've I've done this for two years. I've got a deal for two years, but actually after, you know, 12 months, I want out. Is that going to cost you a fortune to get out or? It depends. Every uh, financial um, agreement in the world of car finance, several do have uh, exit uh, clauses and charges and and fees or penalties uh, associated. Uh, They vary from lender to lender. Um, Certain lenders I work with operate a a fee of roughly 3% uh, of the outstanding capital balance to maturity as an exit fee. Uh, others operate a four three two one system. So if it's a fortieth month facility, they charge four percent in year one, three percent in year two, two percent in year yeah, three, and one in year four. Um, so clearly, the longer the client has held the car through the term, the less of a fee they end up. Uh, pain. Again, with a personal contract purchase or PCP, uh, again, they have a different set of uh, exit criteria associated to that. Generally, that can be just one month's payment. Um, so if the client's paying £623 a month, they need to make a payment of £623 to exit the facility. Right. But they can exit it, providing they've held the car through a certain period okay. of the facility. So if anyone's looking at, at <coughs> a higher um, purchase agreement, it would be worth just coming to you and you can do all the different deals. Yes. yes. You can look at all of the different options. And say, for instance, um, you know, many times <laughs> before in the past, and trust me, I've done this. I've texted Darren and said, Right, I want to buy uh, this £120,000 Ferrari. I really want it. How much is it going to cost me? And you've gone, well, there's lots of different avenues. This, 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 and this. If you don't think you're going to own it for the full three years, do not pick this option because it will cost you X to exit, etc., etc. So it's well worth coming to you if you do have an idea and just chatting through... Absolutely, yes, and always willing to chat to people and and look at all the options. Again, I try to ensure that the uh, structure of a deal is correct for the client. Not correct for myself or correct for the lender, but really what what, what suits the client best. Okay. And we have an obligation to do that. Again, when I have an introductory call with a client and they say, look, I want my monthlies as low as possible um, and I want a four-year term. And my next question is, how long do you generally own your vehicles for? And they say, well, 
18 months. So I immediately tell them <laughs> clearly, you're more suited to a 24 month period um, and we can structure it via this, this and this. And it, again, depending on their own uh, credit profile and their own financial circumstances, we can then structure it uh, best to suit them. And also, of course, it then needs to be credit accepted by the lender. Uh, and they have very strict uh, requirements in place to ensure affordability for the uh, for the client on the vehicle. Somehow I was accepted, so I don't know how, but... Uh... <laughs> Good old, good old yeah. Volkswagen Golf, well, keeping its good old value. Oh yes. Now, there's something. This is something actually that I wanted to bring up, which is generally a lot of people see. If you go to sites and there's all these different options, and you see, you do see people talk about finance and lease in the same sort of sort of terms, and they say, oh, it's just you're just borrowing money for the car. I mean, they are they are very very different. You know, you're talking about the the, the exits from from the PCP and from the uh, your, your contracts and you know higher purchase and things. When you are in a, a contract higher lease, like I am, I mean, it's a two-year lease, and you're in there for two years. Mm-hmm. If you have to get out of there early, it is not cheap. It's so that's, just, a da- that's a downside of having the lease? It, yes. You, I mean, you're committed, like, I'm committed for two years. If, after a year, I wanted to get out of it, I mean, this is a VW, uh, Volkswagen Financial Services lease. Um, it's, if I wanted to get out of that after 12, uh, 13, 14 months, to get out of it, I have to pay... Fifty percent of the remaining fees mm. of the remaining sort of monthly payments, which is I mean that's a it's a big amount. It's yeah. not it's not a huge amount because look I've got a cheap lease. But there, there are people who lease Range Rovers and, and whatnot. You know they're paying thousand pound a month on, on a lease. If they get to the point where you know they realise oh I can't afford this, they're, they're, they're still really they're still stuffed. You know yeah. they're they're really going to do it. But there is there's another flip side I think to a lease, which is again if you're talking about that. That this mythical let's go with a, a 90 grand 911 say if you do i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong on this I, from what i'm led to believe if you do a contract hire like a lease traditional lease you're on your credit profile so if, if some if, for instance if someone's look if they think in a year's time after i get this car in a year's time i'm probably going to try and get a mortgage with my girlfriend or whatever the contract hire lease only takes onto your prof- onto your credit profile the amount that is basically the term of the lease. So you'll be paying 17, 20 grand over the year over those two years. Mm-hmm. It, it only takes that 20 grand on your credit profile. That's all that gets held against you. Whereas with a contract height, it's the, the full amount of the car. That's what I'm led to believe. I don't know if that's right or not. Right. So, so, what <laughs> so you're that's just is a, with, you with know, your, it's something to keep in mind. So with your lease deal, you're better off if you were then wanting to put a deposit down on a house, yeah, because I've only got like seven grand against right, okay. against our credit profile. I suppose that makes sense because you don't technically own the car. So exactly, car they're just saying you're only. They know they're saying well, you're only going to be paying eight grand or yeah. seven grand or whatever it is over, over these two years. So that's all we're going to hold against you. Whereas it's it's a different thing. If I if I got a high purchase on the same car, it would be. 27, 28 grand yeah, yeah. on that VRS. But yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons. And, and as we were exactly. Saying, it is completely, you know, personal opinion and personal circumstances to what you yes. are best to go for. Hmm. So if we move on to the second one. So the first one we did was, what was that, higher purchase? So we looked at higher purchase. So uh, higher purchase is basically deposit, monthly payments. Mm-hmm. You can either buy the car, sell it, part exchange it at the end. Yes. Clear your finance and yes. off you go. And then the other form of higher purchase technically called lease purchase with balloon so effectively you are leveraging uh, uh, 
final balloon payment in the car. Is this the second one? We're on to the second one, or yes. is this an offset of the first one? It, it's technically a subsection of the first one, yes. So. But it is number two? <laughs> yes. In yes. the three? So okay. lease, so lease purchase with balloon. Yes. Lease purchase with balloon, that's yes. what we're talking about now. Okay, fine. So yes. lease purchase with balloon, sorry, Darren, you were saying. Yes, so again, lease purchase with balloon uh, allows the customer to um, put the initial 10% or more, you can put as much really as you want in, um, in the vehicle at the outset. Clearly, the less you borrow up front, the less you pay in interest fees and charges over the period uh, you borrow the money for. So, uh, but with the lease purchase, you can end up uh, reducing your monthly payments effectively because you are leveraging that final payment aspect or the equity value in the vehicle over the term of the facility. Okay, I, I don't know about you, Tim. I got lost a bit there at the end. So, again, let's give it another example: hundred grand car. Yes, you put ten thousand pounds down. Correct. Then what happens? So you're borrowing ninety thousand pounds. Yeah. Uh, the depending on the vehicle, the spec of the vehicle, um, the mark and, and variety of the derivative of the car, then uh, the lenders will assess that on a credit assessment basis, and they'll say, okay, on this vehicle, we are happy to extend it for balloon of let's say 45 or 50 percent uh, of the uh, total upfront purchase price of the car so they'll allow you to put a 50,000 pound balloon on the on the end payment of the car and then effectively reduce your payments if it was on a HP basis you might be paying on in those sorts of terms you could be paying at 1,300 or 1,400 oh, per I month see. Right. whereas so you with can... the lease purchase you'd be paying maybe half that. Right, so you basically what you do is you you extend the uh, the price at the end that you'd buy the car for to yes. be able to make sure that your monthly payments come down. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, so on the first one we spoke about the balloon payment is set by you guys, as in you say this is how much it's going to cost if you want to get out the deal at the end, as in buy the car. But on yes. the second one, mm-hmm. you can say, well, actually. I'm probably not going to buy the car at the end of it, so I'd rather the balloon payment was more, so my monthly payments were less. Yes, exactly that. And certain, depending on the buyer's ownership objectives for the vehicle, uh, certain people like to overpay more of the capital each month on the vehicle, so they're not just covering interest, they're covering interest and capital. Uh, And even if they could have a balloon on the vehicle of, of say, uh, 50% after 48 months, they may wish to reduce that down to say 30 or 35%, pay more into the car per month, so they have a higher monthly uh, payment, but when they come to exit the vehicle, they will owe less as a final payment. Okay, that makes sense. And there's, there's, and with those ones, that's that's when people they might have equity at the end of this, at the end of the contract. So they've 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 put in X yes. amount at the beginning, yeah. and they come out at the end, and they've got more money, so they can. I mean, this, this is sort of the finance uh, stepping stones, isn't it? It means it enables people to they can pay on this car, they get themselves a Golf, and then. Two years later, they sell that one, and, and they get they end up in a, an M3, and then two, you know, and then they're in an 11. Yes. It, these people's kind of that's that, that's, that, that's the yeah. benefit of I guess of, of finance, and that's yeah. what predominantly if you manage to sell the car for a decent price. Yes. Yeah, so again, depending on whether or not there's the guaranteed future value on the car, or you have a an unsecured balloon payment, uh, the risk then is with the client at that stage. Um, but again, it depends on the variety of the vehicle, the derivative of the car. Uh, Etc. Uh, and again, depends on the customer's financial circumstances. Yeah, because we, we've been around around in circles, haven't we, down about a Porsche GT4 for me, which <laughs> one day, one he, day. He's I been going get. on about this for so long. Well, the new one isn't going to be announced, <laughs> I think, for a little while. So I'm now getting very itchy feet about just getting the, the current GT4. <laughs> four, which, five, eight. <laughs> four, five, eight is a little bit more expensive. Um, which actually, because the car has held its value very well, mm-hmm. the financial agreements that you've managed to even just give me examples of have been very good. 
Yes, yes. Uh, again, you're you're obviously an excellent uh, client and an excellent well, thank you. with well, an excellent credit well, profile. Half finance really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, calling me an excellent client. Thank you very much. No, but uh, again, it, it really comes down to the uh, client's credit profile, and uh, they look. The lenders are under you know uh, um, a lot of pressure to ensure that the the client has the required affordability for the car and that they're not in any way overextending themselves sure. on a monthly basis uh, depending on their other outgoings etc yeah. so the the credit underwriting for these sorts of facilities is very strict uh, as you'd expect and it's uh, yeah okay so third and final um, way of doing finance what would that be so we then have the uh, PCP or personal contract purchase as it's known uh, again I a lot of the mainstream manufacturers, the Mercedes, Audi, BMW, for example, um, the PCP deals that they offer tend to be uh, the, the main form of finance that they attempt to broke and introduce. Okay. Uh, the client um, ultimately has some better protection under the Consumer Credit Act uh, in terms of the, the legality of the facility. Uh, and they also have um, very regulated... Um, ways to exit the facility in terms of final exit fees or or breaking the the, the facility that they've signed up to. Um, again, one of the key differences between the likes of lease purchase with balloon and, and PCP is that generally on PCP, the final balloon payment is uh, guaranteed in advance when you buy the car. So if you buy yourself a BMW 3 Series uh, for £35,000 and the dealership gives you a balloon of £18,000 after say 36 months uh, regardless of the price of that car in the market they are obliged legally to give you at least £18,000 okay. for the vehicle when you come to trade it in right. that is tends tends to be subject to uh, mileage uh, conditions and condition uh, do the other two the forms well. of finance so that, do they have mileage conditions as well again it, it depends on the specific uh, financial right. uh, lender that we're dealing with uh, some do and some don't don't. Uh, one or two of the key uh, lenders out there don't have uh, any additional mileage charges, but again, they tend not to have the guaranteed future uh, value placed on the car. Okay. If the client thinks they will do 6,000 miles per year at the start of the facility, but they end up doing 10,000 over the course of the, the period, when they come to sell the vehicle, the car will be worth less uh, in the in the mm-hmm. used car market. Yeah. Whereas with um, other lenders, again, they t- tend to charge a maybe 9p per mile excess charge. So if you go over and above your stated annual mileage at the beginning of the facility, they'll give you a, a bill at the end based on the mileage you've gone over by. Right. Uh, and that can be quite onerous with some of the manufacturers, certainly. Right. Um, and that is because, basically, the value of the car goes down. Correct, yes. Hmm. And it's again, they can only achieve a certain amount for the car at that period. Um, so they argue that they're financially worse off because of the mileage or the wear and tear or the general condition of the car when they come to exit. Okay. So that, sorry, Tim, you... Uh, yeah, just nudging that. So as an example on that, so for somebody as uh, Mr. Williams over here, you know, if, you know, the two years away, the new 911 GT4, so or 18 months away, whenever the new um, Cayman GT4 comes out. So right now, you want to buy a used Cayman GT4. You say you get that over a three-year deal on a, on a PCP, like on the last thing we've been talking about. That's got a guaranteed value at the end of this. So you buy, you buy this thing for 80 grand, it's got a guaranteed value of... 
say based on the current market, they're going to look at it and say it's going to be, it might be 60 grand. Yeah, but that's, but that's, where, the, that's where the catch is. So if they're going to give you the guaranteed future value, mm. even though we know the car may be £60,000 in the market in two to three year, years' time, they won't give you a £60,000 balloon on the car. They'll set the balloon relatively low and extremely yeah. conservatively. Because really they know the new themselves. one's coming as well. Uh, not so much that they know there's a new one coming, but mm -hmm. certainly they will only enter into the facility uh, whereby it will benefit them when they come to take the keys of the car back if they yeah. have to take the car yeah they've got to make money at the end of the day haven't yes. they yes. <laughs> they're not exactly. stupid <laughs> yeah but with going with a couple of the other options say through yourself that's a little you're a little bit more in control of what you're going to be doing wouldn't necessarily more in control of what we're doing but it, again it, it's it has to be the right deal for the client on the right vehicle and again depending on the the client's earning uh annual earnings uh depending on their overall credit profile depending on their um uh, home ownership status. Um, all of those aspects are factored in by the underwriters on any facility. And again, we have to ensure that the, the clients are signing up to an appropriate financial product for their requirements and needs. Got it. Um, again, in terms of the um, looking into the future, especially in relation to the um, residual value on the vehicle, again, there is an industry uh, man, industry standard there called CAP, which uh, all the underwriters refer to. Again, they have a little bit of margin either side of CAP as to setting a balloon on a vehicle, um, but generally they're all within a defined margin. Um, and again, with they can extrapolate forward to understand what the price of the car may be given a future date and time. Got it. Because there must be a few people listening slash watching this that go, that is kind of thinking, I could probably afford a hundred thousand pound car, mm -hmm. but it does very much factor into, you know, how much you are bringing in in yes. terms of they're not just going to lend you, you know, ninety thousand pounds if you're bringing in fifteen grand a year yes. as a salary. Yes. So with that in mind, is there any kind of formula that you can kind of work to if you say you earn thirty grand a year? Do you think you could own a car that is worth X amount or? You know, I, th I think it's especially for myself, maybe Tim, yourself as well, Patrick behind the camera as well might be thinking the same thing. Is there any kind of way of, of judging how much you could really afford? Very good question. Um, again, it's on a very specific individual basis. So, um... I mean, can we give you an example? Say someone's only 30 grand a year. Comfortably, they have a two-year contract mm -hmm. at work mm -hmm. or a permanent contract at work. They're yes. earning 30 grand a year. Mm -hmm. So effectively, they can you know, comfortably afford a nice little runaround, but they want something a little bit more sporty, a little bit more exciting. Yes. Again, I have clients across the entire spectrum of, of earnings and uh, you know, different stages of their life in terms of their 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 car buying histories, etc. Um, I, I mentioned to Patrick on the way over here, I actually had a client uh, a little, little while ago who um, had declared annual earnings of, let's say, sub £50,000, but yet he had the financial means to purchase a 918 Spider at £1.3 million. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> without going into too much detail, how does that happen? So if you show earnings of... 30 grand a year, yes. but you're buying a, a million, over a million pound car. Yes, it then comes down to the overall um, um, assets and liabilities of the individual. Uh, how how much is their property worth? Um, oh, okay, is it, is it, is it, does it have a mortgage? Right. Uh, financially encumbered or not? Uh, again, and they look at the totality of risk with the individual. Um, so it's not to say, you know, I have clients who, 
who may have relatively uh, smaller incomes, but they can be driving hypercars. Um, then we have the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, an individual may be earning between 30 to 50,000 pounds, let's say, and uh, they could be driving an 80 to 90,000 pound Porsche. Um, again, it comes down to the uh, overall credit profile, how, how clean their history is, have they ever missed any payments on their... Because uh, that's other... a big thing, isn't it, for credit mm-hmm. history. If you miss yeah. a payment, yes. that's going to hit you bad. Yes, absolutely, it does. And uh, again, it affects your overall credit score. Uh, it affects the way the underwriters look at you and assess you in terms of your totality of risk. Um, and then ultimately will determine whether they will extend a, f- a financial uh, agreement for you on a vehicle or not. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't quite get it in terms of the, what an what a what a responsibility doing finance on a car is it's people sort of go oh yeah I'll just I'll just finance a car you've, you've got to be able to make those payments these are, I see young people doing it all the time that they, they get even though it's only a 20 25 grand car you're getting that if you miss a single payment that's going to mess you up it's going to mess you up trying to get a mortgage you, you know you've got to you've got to be thinking a long way in advance with these sort of things any financial commitment has got to be really seriously thought through. Yes, very much so. Very much so. And and it is legally, it's a legal obligation Mm. you're signing up to. Um, Again, your home ownership status comes into play. Some lenders will require a minimum 20% deposit if you're not uh, a homeowner. Um, Again, it fluctuates from lender to lender. Um, But as a rule of thumb, we we generally use 20% there. Um, So yeah, it's, it's... it's a financial agreement and uh, it's legally uh, obliging. You must uh, oblige by all terms and conditions within it. And uh, again, there's a simple way to look at it. Ultimately, regardless of the, the form of financial product you, you take out on a vehicle, um, if you don't make your payments on the vehicle or you start to miss several payments, just as the same way as a mortgage, for example, um, you know that then has knock-on implications and regardless if it's a lease purchase deal, a hire purchase deal, or a personal contract plan, you will then run into issues. Yeah. Um, so but don't, again, please don't be watching this thinking, oh my God, I can afford a hundred grand Ferrari. This is amazing. I want yeah. 15 grand a year. Yes. It's just not going to happen because you'll end up getting into a place where you can't make the monthly repayments and then you're in big trouble. Yes, but again, the responsible lending would, would dictate that ultimately um, the lenders would never go into the facility in the first place. And we as introducers and brokers know exactly who ultimately can and cannot go for these packages. So, Darren, you are not a financial lending company. You are the guy that is basically in between the client, yes. i.e. somebody trying to buy a nice car, yes. and the financial company's going, do we want to lend that guy 80 grand? Correct. You say, yes, you do. Can you afford it? Yes, you can. Brilliant. Put them together. Jobs are good. Yes, yeah, so I'm an independent introducer broker uh, here in the UK. And yeah, you need to be a UK resident, uh, earn your money and have a footprint here in the United Kingdom, um, ultimately. And I then, yes, I act and introduce uh, for several of the top lenders and uh, we can get some. Mainly to YouTubers. <laughs> yep, some, some of the, uh, the, the high profile guys yeah. I, I work with, uh, both across YouTube, uh, the TV world, the sports world, uh, entertainment world. Um, but again, do, again, going to back to what we were saying, you don't need to be earning 100 grand a year yeah, to be able to finance a car, do you? No, no. And again, it's about it's about having a sensible deal on a sensible car at a sensible monthly price. And, and you're the guy to give that advice. You'll say you can't afford it. Yes, you can afford it. 
come back to me when you're earning a little bit more money. Yeah, yes, it's, it's about affordability, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and your outgoings and things. Because some, somebody might be earning 30 grand a year, but they st- and they still live with their parents, so they've got no rent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So which one? They've got a thousand pound going going spare compared to most people. Yes. Yeah. You know, or people who work work in work and live in London. You know, you may be earning 50 grand, but if you're still living with your folks or you're, you've got like a really cheap room share type thing then you can probably afford something more yeah it's just, it's just about what each person can afford yeah, it, isn't it it's very very uh you know specific to each yeah. and every mm. uh, credit every person's circumstances are different uh but again it's about understanding uh the totality of risk for each individual client and understanding their ownership objectives at the start and trying to match the best financial product to them um which is again going to be accepted first time around by the underwriters yeah and with that in mind if you are looking to finance a car this is your man i'm pointing to him now if you're listening to this audio only darren is your man um it was so easy dealing with you with my volkswagen you literally you spoke to the dealership you sorted it all out and i just had to sign a couple of bits of paper and you know i gave my deposit to volkswagen that was all good and now i just pay a monthly payment to the guys that you put me in touch with yes it was so so easy so please if you are listening slash watching this don't think that it's a scary you know uh, car finance is a scary thing it's not have a chat with darren he'll talk you through it he'll talk you through the best way of being able to maybe purchase your dream car that you thought you'd never be able to own um because i mean even my little golf is only 23 grand i wouldn't have been able to buy that outright no way and i love it i think it's a great car so thanks to you and thanks to you know putting me in touch with the right finance people and coming up with the right deal with the right finance package i've been able to have that car so if you want to get in touch with darren and you've probably been watching slash listening this going oh my god this is incredible it'd be amazing just to have a chat with you and and to understand maybe what Mm -hmm. i could afford what's the best way to get in touch with you uh so several ways i instagram i'm dealing with a lot of clients via instagram directly Uh, my instagram handle is simply at dg18son so d gibson only as you would see it maybe on a number plate of a car um, or alternatively via my website uh, there's a contact form there uh, and the website again is simply uh, d gibson so it's www.dg18son.com dg18 S-O-N. S-O-N. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, num- like a number plate, which I believe is probably on one of your cars. Yeah, it might be. Yes. Yeah, yeah, if you see, yeah, if you see nice. a very nice car driving around with that number plate, it might be Darren. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for coming and gracing Tim and I with the presence of yourself and telling us a bit more about no, car finance. It. Thank you. And no unfortunately, yeah. now I feel like we might need to go to the pub and chat about what cars we can afford. <laughs> yeah, with, with with nothing down, can you get me in a McLaren 720S? <laughs> No. No. <laughs> you'd okay. Have, you'd have to win one with BOTB, Tim. And with that in mind, thank oh, you yes. so much again to BOTB for sponsoring this podcast. If you don't know anything about BOTB, BOTB is a dream car company which you can win a car every single week. And you really, you. really can. You really, really can. It is a real thing. Everyone's like, oh my God, it's too good to be true. As you know, Darren, and as you know, Tim, I, and I definitely know. I play regularly myself. There you go. Yeah, it'd be really <laughs> awkward if I come and surprise you on a Tuesday now. Um, Tim and I obviously do a bit of work for BOTB, and uh, I'm very much the lucky guy that gets to go out and, and surprise these people with their dream cars and they run a lifestyle competition as well so go and have a look loads of cars online there's a winner every single week for both competitions botb.com Darren thank you so much again thank you Uh, Tim do we know where we're going to be going next probably not we might be going somewhere with lots of supercars really maybe well, well, I haven't been can told I about this yet. Please do make sure you subscribe. <laughs> of course you can come down. Please do make, subscribe, uh, make sure you subscribe to the In The Headlights channel and uh, we'll be seeing you very soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye.